Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church of Wausau. My name is Carl Drake, and I am a member of this congregation. I want to extend a special welcome to everyone joining us here and online this morning. Since 1870, UU Wausau has served as a vital voice of liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people just as you are, regardless of age, sexual orientation, ethnicity, or economic situation. Wherever you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are currently worshiping both in person and online, so be sure to subscribe to the church's newsletter, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates. And with that, I have a couple of announcements. You also know that I work with the Stewardship Committee, and I want to give you an update as to where we are on that and how much more money you're going to give us. To date, we have 42 pledges, totaling $165,554. That's a little short of what we think is going to be halfway to our budget goal. So please be generous and give with an open heart. We also have a, an unknown donor who is going to give a $10,000 matching grant. He is Norwegian, and he believes strongly in liberal religion. And he will not give if you don't give. Keep that in mind. Thanks. Okay, a couple of other announcements. Uh, first of all, most of you have been to the landings on a number of different occasions. I was there the other day, and I keep running into UUs there. It's just, you know, there's Aaron Sharmer tickling the ivories for two hours several times a week. Uh, others walk in. You know, we, 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 we clearly raise the intellectual level of what goes on. <laughs> Uh, in the landings by being there, and I encourage you to continue to, to do that. And, and with that, I mention that only because our own Brian Mason is going to be doing a two-part lecture series there. I believe it's November 3rd and November 10th uh, on the subject of transcendentalism. And I think it could be quite interesting. I haven't studied that for many years, but it's time to renew that. So please uh, feel free to sign up for that. The other announcement that I have is relating to the Afghani resettlement. Please join members of the congregation community as we continue to learn about the resettlement in Wausau and how you can get informed and involved. We will host a lunch and learn on Sunday, November 14, after the service. Members of the church will provide information on current options for you to volunteer, as well as to become more involved through a potential co-sponsorship. The purpose of the lunch is to learn and to gather your ideas and interest as well as provide factual information as to what is currently underway to assist refugees uh, who will be resettled here and in the future. There are many different ways you could be involved, so it is the interest of this gathering to learn and explore your interest in helping uh, whatever level you may have. There is going to be a sign-up sheet in the lobby, and either I or Joyce will be there to give you more information. There's already one group that's starting relating to teaching. We're putting together a group of potential teachers. And you don't need to be afraid of that if you're not a teacher. It's teaching people basic life skills. Uh, 
So please consider becoming a part of this. Where are we? I'm lost. And with that, let us gather our hearts and minds for worship. Please join me in reciting the church's chalice lighting. You will find the words printed in the order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Please join us for opening hymn number 86. Please remain standing for our affirmation. The words are printed in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest of truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. Our doxology.
This morning, I want to share with you a story called The Memory Box, a book about grief. It's written by Joanna Rowland. It was illustrated by Thea Baker, and it was published by Sparkle House Family. It begins. I lost my balloon once. I tried so hard to hold tight and to never let it go, but it was windy and I was running. I watched it fly higher than the trees, above the clouds, past where I couldn't see it. I was sad. But not as sad as I am now. I can always get another balloon, but I can never have another you. I miss you. Sometimes I wonder, what happens to your love now that you're gone? Did it die too? Because I'm scared, I'll forget you. Sometimes I wish I could give you a hug. I would hug you so tight in a great big bear hug and never let go. I'm making a box so I won't forget you. With our memories like sand from the beach where we played and left footprints as we ran from the crashing waves. I want to go everywhere we've been, everywhere you've been, everywhere we wanted to go. I go to places that help me think of you. I look around and remember. It makes me smile. And then I find the perfect thing for my memory box. Some days are good. I laugh, I smile. Other days, I wonder if you'll ever, if I'll ever stop feeling sad you're gone. But I always think of you. So many things remind me of you. Today, I'm asking everyone about their favorite memories of you. Silly, sweet, some just so you. I'm listening to every word, imagining you laughing with us. It helps me when I think about our special times, and it even helps to still do the things we plan to do together. You're still with me in my heart. Now I'm making new memories, my first time on a roller coaster, trying a new sport, exploring a new place. I'll always share these memories with you. I was afraid I would forget you, but I won't. You'll always be with me, no matter where I go. Whenever I miss you, I'll think of you, and I'll never forget. And that is our story for today. Our children will be staying with us, so I'm going to invite you to bless everyone here and everyone joining us online and the memories of those folks in our hearts that we will never forget with May Peace Surround You.
The mission and ministry of UU Wausau is made possible by the generous support of its friends and members. That's you. Rather than pass a plate at this time, we place an offering basket in the back of the sanctuary for you to drop a gift in. You can also stop by our website, uuwasa.org, to make a one-time or recurring gift with your credit card or debit card. Thank you very much for your support. I invite all of you to join me in the spirit of prayer and meditation. I think prayer requires the participation of your whole body. So I suggest you start by putting both feet flat and firm on the ground. If you pray or meditate with your eyes closed, you're welcome to close them now. As we move into silence, take a breath. Feel the warmth of this community around you, air in your lungs. And let us pray. Holy wisdom, holy lover, holy breath, we give thanks for the world and all that's in it, oceans and rivers, mountains and valleys, city and forest, the living and the memory of those who've died. We give thanks for the glorious colors of autumn, for the sight of our breath and the cold dawn, for the rustling of leaves along the path, for the deep purple light left in the sky as the sun sets. 
We give thanks for stories of loyalty and love, of trust and hope and caring, of strangers who become members of the family of faith. We give thanks for candlelit pumpkins flickering on doorsteps, beckoning costume children toward handfuls of treats. We give thanks for scary stories with happy endings, for customs and traditions that connect us through the years. We give thanks for all the love that surrounds us, for all that we know and all that we hope for. And now let us call to mind the joys and sorrows in our lives, and let us meditate on them in silence together now. Amen. Please stay seated for prayer hymn number 123, Spirit of Life.
This morning, we honor four members of this church who've died in the past year. Cliff Livingston, Gretchen Egan, Don Christensen, and Elmay Passano. It is said that the tradition of lighting candles for the dead dates to the fourth century, when ancient people would light candles for 40 days in a row in honor of the departed. Jews customarily light a candle on the anniversary of someone's death, which is prayed over and then left burning for 24 hours. The Paschal candle is lit every Easter, and Advent candles are lit each Sunday in the weeks before Christmas. Candlelight vigils follow national tragedies, and eternal flames burn in almost every country and state in our nation to honor victims of war and violence and to serve as a reminder of the sacredness of human life. Everyone here has or will lose someone close to them. And so in just a moment, I'll light four candles for the four members of our church who have died. And then I'd like to invite all of you forward to light a candle or place a relic on the altar to honor someone in your life. Most of the psalms were written by people very likely in captivity. And so the psalmist's imagination is always imagining a better world. And so when I read Psalm 25, just imagine that this is written by a person in captivity and what they're hoping for. This is, or rather, this comes from Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. Isaiah was written in captivity, excuse me. This is what the prophet wrote. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And God will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations, and God will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the grace of God's people, God will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, lo, this is the Lord, and we have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited, and let us be glad and rejoice in salvation.
Well, happy Halloween, you ghosts and ghouls. I'll get around to talking about candy and costumes, but we're going to talk about death first. You're welcome. (laughs) In the 39th Psalm, the poet says, quote, Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Death is a fear that on some level motivates us all. If you were to get a message tomorrow that listed the date and time of your death, I expect something, something about your living would change. You might make amends, or you might tell someone how much you love and admire them. Or maybe you'd tell your boss to take this job and shove it. (laughs) Or perhaps you'd just be a little bit nicer. What the psalmist wants us to consider is our own weakness, that everything we do and everything we get is temporary. And in the time we have, we should serve our life, and we should serve life itself well. And this is harder than it sounds, because after all, we're only human. But that's exactly what this psalm's about. Limitation and opportunity, and all of us need to be reminded of our limitations so we can choose our opportunities wisely. Death has been around for a while, so far as I can tell. Despite this, We're not very comfortable with it. Rather than try and avoid death like popular culture tells us, our faith encourages us to confront it, to accept it, and see it as a comma rather than a period. Death is the end of life, but it is also the beginning of mystery. There's an old saying that goes something like, you can't take it with you when you're gone. I think many of those old sayings like that have an element of truth, but in this case, All the elements are true. Just look at all those ancient tombs where pharaohs and kings were buried with servants and house pets and riches and all sorts of things that were supposed to make it easy for them to get by in the next life. It turns out that the stuff they were buried with was mostly fodder for grave robbers and archaeologists. Today we're gathered to celebrate All Souls Day, and it is the dead who have priority this hour. We're here to remember the people in our lives who have died. We're here to remember our spiritual siblings in this church who have died as well. We should note that without them, we would not be here, and neither would this church. When a church lasts as long as ours, the scales tip, and the dead members outnumber the living many times over. Wise elders have warned me that something like this might happen to all of us if we live long enough. In this church, we take death seriously. It remembers the departed on all souls. It prays for the dead. It keeps record of their life. It buys flowers and keeps gardens and stains glass windows and commissions art all in their memory. In fact, most of the money in our endowment was given to us by people who live only in memory. And it is their hope, their vision, and their faith in this church and its people that keeps us going. As William Alfred said, it is a fearful thing to love what death can touch. Think about all the things in your life that matter the most. I don't know what images come to your mind, but I know the images that come to mind. An image of the people in my life who, for me, make my my life worth living. For as powerful and loud and brave as all of them are, I know that all of them, like me, 
are here but for a time. They are a gift for which the only worthy response is gratitude. When I used to be a hospital chaplain, each Ash Wednesday, a Catholic nun and I would travel from building to building with ashes to anoint the heads of patients and staff. I remember walking through the hospital as doctors in surgical bays would poke their heads out, and I would smudge a big black cross on their foreheads, and I would say, Doctor, remember thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. And as I did this, they would close their eyes, and a hush would fall over them before their eyes would flip open, and they'd return to whatever business they were doing before a hooded Catholic nun and a Protestant clergyman in a black gown holding a bowl of burnt palm branches walked into the room. I'd do this in waiting rooms, in the emergency department, in hallways, and in the cafeteria. Then I'd rush up to the cancer unit and down to the cardiac cath lab and over to the eye clinic, and patients would sit up in their beds, and they would take the hand of their family who was sitting next to them, and I'd mark a black cross on their foreheads, and I'd repeat the same words. And by the end of the day, almost everyone moving through that hospital was marked with a reminder of how precious and how short life is. In the Song of Solomon, the poet says, Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Love and death is what all souls is about. Speaking of love, one of the most memorable weddings I've attended happened in the chapel at the hospital where I used to work. There was a man who was engaged to be married, and he learned while he was hospitalized that the liver he had been waiting on for transplant wasn't a match after all. And so he and his fiancée, they discussed whether to marry given this tragic change of events. And despite reason and despite logic and no doubt against the advice of their financial planners, the couple decided to marry. Now, nothing about their decision made sense from the world's perspective. It would inconvenience their lives in many respects, but they decided to get married anyways. And so they called their Lutheran pastor on the phone, and she drove all the way from Kentucky to St. Louis to officiate their wedding. And so there in the hospital's tiny chapel, the couple's families and all the hospital staff who'd been a part of their life, we all gathered for the wedding. And when the pastor had them join hands and repeat the wonderful lines, to love and to cherish till death us do part, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. They had a reception in the bone marrow clinic, and after that, the doctors released the man to live the rest of his life at home. And several weeks later, the man's wife sent notice that he had died. She said their final weeks together were the best, and that marrying him was the best decision she had ever made. For love is strong as death, I kept thinking when I read her letter. What would you do if you knew that you'd soon be dead? At the center of our existence is the mystery of whose we are and of what we are meant to be and do. At the center of our lives is not a collection of facts, but a mystery that deepens as we grow older. At the center of our faith is a mystery that transcends all the facts of religion. This church and the people who make it one left us a monument to hope, the hope of peace that all the earth will one day know love. This hope as our heritage, and it is a gift given by the faithful souls who've come before, 
people who answered God's call to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly. Now, I suppose it's fitting that I say something to those of you who count yourself among the living at this point. That we're celebrating all souls on Halloween isn't lost on me. After all, in just a few hours, children throughout this nation will file out like a bunch of bandits, going out from door to door wearing costumes and disguises, wielding weapons and magic wands, demanding tricks and treats. And if you're a parent like me, you have already calculated an appropriate candy tax. This year, mine is a touch over 45%, which I have estimated will fund my addiction through Christmas. And then I will tax the family stockings. And if you're curious, and I know you are, the online candy store, candystore.com, recently conducted 14 years of the most vital research humankind has ever done. And they published data that shows the most popular Halloween candy in every U.S. state. And here in Wisconsin, the most popular candy is a Butterfinger bar. Meanwhile, nationwide, the most popular candy is a Reese's cup, which makes sense to me because candy with chocolate and peanut butter is really just manna from heaven wrapped in an orange wrapper. <laughs> Strangely enough, however, the most popular, or the tenth most popular Halloween candy in the U.S., it turns out to be candy corn. This sadly proves to me that we really are a sick and depraved nation. <laughs> but in closing, if you eat lots of candy this Halloween, or if you eat none, remember that Halloween invites you to open your heart to the wonders that lie beyond. But here's the challenge which Halloween represents. None of us ever really knows what lies beyond, because life is full of risks. People can be rude, things can go wrong, and memories of the past, they can haunt the present. But one of the messages that Halloween and our faith have in common is this. Don't miss out on life's sweetness for fear of what might go sour. Open your heart. Move beyond your doubts. Take in all the sweetness you can and give out all the love you can. Because beyond what we know is a mystery. And sometimes that mystery is love. And sometimes it's a chance to try again. Sometimes it's a risk worth taking, and sometimes acceptance, and sometimes it's grace. Amen. Please rise now in spirit or body for our closing hymn, number six, Just As Long As I Have Breath.
Before I close this morning's service, I want to invite everyone to our first something post-pandemic coffee. Now, you can't eat or drink with your mask on, or just don't try it. (laughs) And I understand that everybody is a slightly different place with what they are and what they are comfortable doing. So just have that in your mind as you enjoy coffee and people might be making their way out. But I hope that you enjoy it. I hope this next step uh, to normal is something that we can maintain. So I don't know if you came here with someone this morning, but if you came here with someone this morning, you're welcome to take their hand now. May the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Please have a seat, relax and enjoy the post-mood, and I'll see you for coffee.